Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.13 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 20th of November, 2020. This is episode 326 of Bitcoin and supply drought is driving up the price of Bitcoin, says Chain Analysis. Behold, supply and demand at work. Jeff Benson, writing for Decrypt.co, yesterday tells us the following. At the end of the day, prices in free markets typically come down to two factors, supply and demand. So it should be no surprise that Bitcoin's recent surge from under $12,000 a month ago to nearly $18,000 today is the result of strong demand amid depressed supply. But who wants it and why exactly can't they get enough? New research from blockchain analytics firm Chainalysis indicates that institutional investors are primarily to thank or blame, depending on your perspective, for the supply drought and subsequent price increase. Quote, while the total supply of Bitcoin grows every day as more as mine, the actual amount available to buy depends on whether hodlers want to sell or trade it, it wrote in a blog post today. Currently, 77% of all $14.8 million, sorry, 14.8 million Bitcoin that have been mined but not presumed lost are in illiquid wallets, which is classified as a wallet that has sent less than 25% of Bitcoin they've ever received. That leaves a pool of just 3.4 million Bitcoin readily available to buyers as demand increases, <clears throat> says Chain Analysis. It points to corporate investments by Square and MicroStrategy, as well as publicized statements from hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones as indications of increased institutional investment. That's benefited North American exchanges who have been seen increasing net inflows of Bitcoin since January 2020. Quote, this is what we would expect to see as the institutional investors driving the current surge themselves, primarily based in North America and Europe, are more likely to buy Bitcoin on these exchanges for both ease of use and regulatory reasons, said Chain Analysis. And when they buy it, those investors hold on to it, but they're doing so at a time when new everyday investors are flocking to the market. The number of new Bitcoin addresses being created each day near 25,000 earlier this week in crypto to fiat exchanges, as opposed to crypto to crypto exchange for traders, are seeing an influx of Bitcoin as well. Quote, this combined with the accumulation of Bitcoin by investor wallets that tend to hold for long periods of time suggests that first-time Bitcoin buyers and buyers looking to unload fiat currency for Bitcoin as a hedge against worrisome macroeconomic trends are responsible for much of the current demand, concluded Chain Analysis, which all makes sense, but has Chain Analysis considered that maybe Maisie Williams orchestrated all of this? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't have time to tell you. Lightning Network's new liquidity marketplace attracts a surprising mix of individuals and enterprises. Colin Harper, who I've gotten into the shit with on Twitter a couple of times, is writing this one for Coindesk.com. And even though me and Colin kind of scrapped with each other a little bit, the man is an excellent author. I'll, I'll give him that. Lightning Labs' new liquidity marketplace, Lightning Pool, has seen more early stage growth than its creators expected. And what's more, a fair share of its volume is coming from individual Lightning users and not businesses. Quote, 
It's a big surprise, very exciting. Lightning Labs business development head Ryan Gentry told Coindesk, the primary users thus far have been a mix of power users and startups and businesses who are already running Lightning nodes. Since launch, Lightning Pool has facilitated over 11.5 BTC in orders, which is just north of $200,000. According to data from a community-built Lightning Pool tweet bot, the service has dozens of active users. Lightning Labs declined to give the exact figure. Lightning Pool provides a market where Lightning Network users can lease liquidity for payment channels. The transaction avenues Lightning uses to send faster and cheaper payments than Bitcoin's main network. Complex cryptography makes this possible in addition to financial requirements that mandate payment channels must have enough Bitcoin in reserve to route payments between network participants. If a Lightning user's payment channel doesn't have enough inbound liquidity, which is the minimum Bitcoin needed to receive a routed transaction, then he or she won't be able to receive payments. Likewise, if a payment channel lacks enough outbound capacity, then it cannot send payments. Lightning Pool was built to address such obstacles in Lightning's financial plumbing. Through the service, Lightning Network users can lease liquidity from other Lightning users to access the liquidity necessary to route payments through the networks. Innovations like BitRefill's Thor channels, which allow customers to instant purchase payment channels, have also taken aim at this problem. Before solutions like these, Lightning Network node operators had to grassroots network across messaging platforms and social media if they needed Bitcoin in a pinch. As one pseudonymous Lightning Network user OpenNOMS expressed to Coindesk, Pool is a breakthrough for the very purpose it serves in speeding up the liquidity matching process. Quote, my relief is that begging on social media for incoming channels is over, OpenNOMS told Coindesk. <clears throat> OpenNOMS has been testing Pool since before its public launch and is very impressed, adding that the service is an efficiency gain for allocating capital. Lightning Labs also batches the transactions to fund the payment channels that are being leased, meaning Pool users can save money on fees by splitting them among multiple participants. On the other side of the trade, the liquidity providers are earning passive yield on their Bitcoin without having to relinquish their private keys. Pausing here just to say this is how we will be all making loans to each other in the future. That's my gut feeling. Gentry said the service has engendered a lot of excitement among community members as a new way to earn yield on their holdings. <clears throat> this adds to another non-custodial custodial yield options like earning fees from coin mixing pool has been crowded mainly with individual users since shortly after launch, but Gentry, Gentry thinks businesses will correct this balance over time as the service matures. Quote, we anticipate increased demand from businesses and enterprise users as pool matures because they will likely have more consistent liquidity needs when using Lightning or may want to enable their end users to earn returns on their funds. Lightning Labs also uses the service because it does more than just generate fees for the company. Uh, it was partly built in order to solve an internal business problem, said Gentry, namely providing inbound channel liquidity for its Lightning Loop service. Loop allows its users to top off or withdraw from their Lightning balances without closing their payment channels, as if illustrated by the fact that the two are anagrams, and they are, pool and loop are anagrams. They are complete complementary services that address the exact same problem, Lightning's need for a constant, fresh liquidity. Quote, the idea of Pool evolved as part of to solve an internal business need, uh, sourcing inbound liquidity, Gentry said. But after speaking with customers and other Lightning services, we heard they were looking for a solution to the same problem, which was an encouraging sign in terms of the need for Pool. 
A Lightning Optimist opened noms as bullish on Pool and said it's effective at incentivizing people to place more capital on the Lightning Network and allocating it strategically where it is needed. Again, future of loans. Right now, everything is run from the computer's command line, so OpenNOM said that a graphic user interface, the visual interface that you use to interact with computer and web applications, will improve the user experience. Gentry told Coindesk that a GUI for Pool is in the works. Okay. This messaging app pays lightning-powered Bitcoin rewards. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, Shara Malwa is going to write this one for BTC Times. Messaging app and aggregator IM Plus app has integrated the Lightning Network as part of its services as per a release shared with the BTC Times. It will partner with Bitcoin Rewards app S Miles for the effort. IM aggregates social networks and messages, messengers such as Telegram, Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, and Slack, among others, to allow users to manage multiple accounts via a single app. It offers its user community an integrated ad blocker as well. Now, with the collaboration with S-Miles in place, IM Plus will offer usage-based Bitcoin rewards to app users. The service will feature a fortune wheel game. Everybody does the wheel game, dude. It's okay. It's all right. We're, we're all early here. Anyway, they will feature the fortune wheel game for a chance to win sats uh, to popularize microtransactions and a Bitcoin to newer users. Using the Lightning Network, which provides faster transaction speeds for Bitcoin by introducing off-ledger transactions, will allow IM Plus to quickly reward and distribute sats among its users. But that's not all. Igor Brzezovsky, co-founder of both IM and S-Miles, said the service will feature more lightning-powered games in the future. Quote, the next step could be a lightning-powered messenger inside of IM Plus, he noted, adding, we see every message like, every like, and share as potentially a microeconomic transaction, and S-Miles offers to IM Plus the best lightning network-based technology for that. End quote. The IM Plus for iPhone version 11 is already available on the App Store. Its basic version is free to all, while an opt-in subscription can be used for more in-app features. An Android app is in the works as well, scheduled for a rollout later this month. Users subscribing to Pro Services will receive a SATS cashback in addition to earning SATS for each day of active usage. Meanwhile, Berezovsky said in a statement that the services rollout on Apple, which is notorious for censoring crypto-centric offerings on the App Store, will help popularize the use of Lightning. Quote, I believe that we will bring to Lightning more users than all the other players combined. Okay. Baby, you're, you're going to be fighting Sphinx. Sphinx is cool. Oh, uh, well, well, more about that later. We'll talk about that at the end. Max Kaiser says that we are seeing the education of a new Bitcoiner with Ray Dalio. I tweeted out earlier that the education of Ray would make a damn fine title to a Spielberg movie. Ray Dalio, oh, I'm sorry, this is actually Jordan Lynchev writing for Crypto Potato, just to give the, the bump there. Ray Dalio is among the most successful hedge fund managers in U.S. history. Having found his own fund, Bridgewater Associates, in 1975, he has managed billions of dollars in the following decades. However, Dalio has never been a fan of Bitcoin. He has previously said that BTC's volatility refrains it from acting as a medium of exchange and even asserted that the cryptocurrency fails the purposes of money. Bitcoin fell in his scope uh, recently when the asset started gaining massive chunks of value and broke above $18,000 for the first time. I'm sorry, not first time. I read that wrong. I'm sorry. 
and broke above $18,000. This time, though, <clears throat> the prominent traditional investor seemed more open-minded, something he preaches in his books. Dalio admitted that he might be missing something about Bitcoin and urged the community to make him understand as he would love to be corrected. <laughs> Correction came. Needless to say, the vocal cryptocurrency community was quick to respond. Popular TV host Max Kaiser led the charge and he further explained to Crypto Potato that we are actually seeing the education of a Bitcoiner. Kaiser said that Dalio, like many others before him, dismissed Bitcoin initially without doing detailed research, and this became obvious by his comments that revealed a complete ignorance about Bitcoin. However, the situation changed once Dalio's peers, namely Paul Tudor Jones and Stan Druckenmiller, started building BTC positions and making huge returns. At this point, Dalio was forced to finally get off his ass and do some research, says Max. Quote, as we all know, once you look closely at Bitcoin, you fall into the rabbit hole and you start to have anxiety attacks because you never have enough BTC in a world of collapsing fiat money and boring gold that can't keep up with Bitcoin. End quote. Kaiser gave Dalio credit for finally getting over his ego and admitting that he might be wrong about BTC. However, the popular TV host believes that Dalio will have a problem because, quote, Bitcoin has no hedge for him to play with because BTC is the hedge, end quote. This concept goes over the heads of the world's biggest hedge fund. It only shows that it's still early to get into BTC as a price tag of 100 grand will materialize, quote, a lot sooner than anyone imagines. U.S. economist and gold bug and well-known Bitcoin basher Peter Schiff was among the first to offer his opinion to Dalio. Staying true to his nature, Schiff claimed that the hedge fund manager is not missing anything except participating in a bubble that's 12 years old. Your criticisms are spot on, sir. <laughs> yeah, okay, right, whatever. While take, talking down BTC is nothing new for Schiff, Kaiser actually said that he has repeatedly pitched Bitcoin to him when the price was $1, $100, $1,000 and $10,000. However, Peter is not that bright and lacks the intelligence and mental agility to look at new ideas, Max Kaiser says. Instead of getting into Bitcoin, Schiff wasted his life away jerking around with some dodgy Puerto Rican bank that is now trashing his reputation and causing all manner of problems. And he's directly referring to the fact that Schiff is being uh, investigated for I don't know. He's just being investigated. Let's leave it at that. Binance controls the only other Though the only major pool rejecting Bitcoin's taproot update, this was written yesterday, Crypto.com's Connor Maloney says all major mining pools have accepted a major update to Bitcoin's smart contract capabilities, leaving Binance pool as the odd one out. Y'all need to, that's rookie move, man. You'll see that here in a minute. <clears throat> Bitcoin's taproot update looks set to activation with over 56%. Let's say that again. It looks, the Taproot update is looking set for app activation because with over 56% of the hash rate now showing support, that's the majority of the miners are already on board with this, okay? Taproot will upgrade Bitcoin's smart contract capabilities, allowing users to send smart contracts disguised as regular transactions. Let's say that one again. Users allow users to send smart contracts disguised as regular transactions on the network. Bitcoin users will soon be able to enter complex smart contract arrangements through BTC transactions. For example, funds can be sealed in a time lock contract to be distributed on a certain date or if certain parties co-sign. 
Taproot also includes added features to protect the privacy of Bitcoin users. That sounds very much like being able to pass off money to next generations through things, instruments such as trust funds. Binance Pool is a recent entrant into the Bitcoin space, which was announced April of this year. The mining pool quickly shot into the big leagues and today controls 12% of the hash rate as the fourth largest pool in Bitcoin. Out of the five major mining pools, Binance Pool is the only one to withhold support for Taproot. The last major update of this scale was SegWit. Oh, God, it just brings back memories. Adoption was an uphill battle with disagreement over mining pools over whether the update should go ahead. However, with 56% support from miners and counting, Taproot looks to be in a far more secure position. Ain't that the truth? Speaking with Crypto Briefing, Bitcoin Magazine's technical editor, Aaron Von Weirdham, stated that the previous update of this scale, SegWit, was rejected for political reasons. Quote, SegWit itself wasn't really controversial, but some miners were withholding their support in order to use this as political leverage. They failed. I don't foresee these kinds of complications for taproot activation. Man, that, we better not get into another fight over this bullshit because the SegWit fight was awful. I mean, it was interesting while it was going on, but when you look back at it, it was awful. Whether Binance Pool is making a statement by withholding support or simply still evaluating the latest update is unclear. According to Van Weirdem, Taproot will likely activate in the first half of 2021, whether Binance Pool supports it or not. It, you know, in my opinion, it may just be that Binance has, you know, they have other problems right now. And their pool manager is probably just not, I don't think it has some, something to do with the, oh, well, we're going to do the uh, tap. I think that they're, they're distracted, honestly, because of all the other shit that's going on with, with Binance. <clears throat> okay, the rapper Logic has purchased $6 million worth of Bitcoin in October. Jordan Lienchev is going to tell us about from Crypto Potato. Former hip-hop artist Logic has bought $6 million worth of Bitcoin. His position is already well in profit just one month later. Man, this dude looks like just... Logic? I'd never even heard of this guy. The list of celebrities purchasing Bitcoin has officially grown by one more with a new representative from the hip-hop world, the now-retired rapper going by the stage name Logic, recently confirmed that he has purchased $6 million in BTC. Logic was born in 1990 under his real name, Sir Robert Bryson Hall II. He became a popular songwriter, record producer, streamer, and author he also has a successful hip-hop career with six studio albums and two Grammy noms. Somewhat unexpectedly, he announced his retirement from being an active rapper earlier this year. He justified his decision by being a dad and didn't want his family to become targets of the same harassment he experienced in his career. Probably a good move, man. It seems that he hasn't been wasting any time while in retirement, according to a video he shared on his Instagram profile. In it, Logic informed that he has bought $6 million in Bitcoin just last month. The former rapper implied that the purchase was not a big deal, saying, fuck it, you only live once, and seriously. <laughs> okay, Logic. Although he hasn't disclosed the precise date when he bought the Bitcoin, it's already clear that his BTC position is well in profit. The primary cryptocurrency's lowest price tag in October was around ten grand, while the highest was a bit over 14000 In other words, even if Logic had bought at October's peak, Bitcoin has increased by at least four grand since then. Logic's announcement came just a few days after another celebrity bought some Bitcoin. This time it was Maisie Williams, the actress portraying the role of Arya Stark in the hit TV series Game of Thrones. 
Okay, y'all know about that story, so we're just going to go ahead and stop that one right here, and let's go on into the next one. Bitcoin now has a greater market cap than MasterCard. Wow, Liam Frost going to tell us about it from Decrypt.co. Bitcoin reached 16th place amongst the world's biggest entries after its market capitalization grew to nearly $335 billion. The total market capitalization of Bitcoin has exceeded that of MasterCards today, placing the cryptocurrency on the 16th spot of the world's largest companies. Okay, that's by Asset Dash, uh, the company that's tracking it. Bitcoin's market cap amounts to nearly $338 billion, while the coin's price hovers around 18270 According to Asset Dash's data, Bitcoin's capitalization increased by 3%, which was enough to push the payment uh, giant MasterCard back to 17th place as its market cap lost 0.6% in the corporate world. Market cap represents the total dollar market value of any given company's stocks. For Bitcoin, the cap represents the combined price of all the BTC that is currently in circulation. As the coin's price goes up and its supply increases, so does Bitcoin's market cap. As the price of Bitcoin keeps steadily climbing up, Bitcoin could overtake even more adversaries. This the next on the list, for example, is Procter & Gamble with a market cap of roughly $346 billion, and Bitcoin is now just $8 billion short of that. At the same time, $15 billion currently separates Bitcoin from outpacing banking giant J.P. Morgan Chase and company in itself. Oh my God. Among other companies that Bitcoin has already left in the dust are NVIDIA, Walt Disney, Bank of America, Coca-Cola, and PayPal. As Decrypt reported, Bitcoin's market cap reached a new all-time high on November the 17th after reaching $330 billion. This means that it gained another $8 billion in just three days on its current bull run. Investments made in Bitcoin by major companies such as MicroStrategy and Stone Ridge, public support for crypto from prominent financial experts, the, the recent Bitcoin halving, and other factors have also given Bitcoin's price a great big boost over the past few months. But will they be enough to take it further? Why do you guys always say shit like that at the end of your stories? Stop doing that, Decrypt. That's really pissing me off. Hey, let's run the numbers. Shoot, and I thought this was going to be a longer show. Hell, we're only 22 minutes in and the first half is already done. We're looking at Savior... We're looking at savior territory here for the legacy financial markets. We're all saved. The Great Reset. You'll own nothing. You'll rent everything and you'll be happy. But thank God that the major markets are all in the green. Oil up 0.6. Brent North Sea is up 0.68. Natural gas is up damn near three points to $2.67 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Gold is up. Oh my God, a, a mind-stunningly 0.16% is going to come on the list at 1,864. Silver has actually done a lot better than gold right now. It's up three quarters of a point. Platinum is up a point and a little bit more. Pla uh, copper actually shot up 1.73 points and palladium is up three quarters of a point. Uh, corn is up $4 or 1.11%. Uh, uh, Maybe I'll just do the, the corn tracking every once in a while just because, you know, corn pop, corn pop. Index futures. Da oh, oh we, here's, here we have our reds. But, uh, dude, I'm, honestly, it's all meh. 
Dow futures are down 0.14. S&P is down 0.03. NASDAQ futures are up 0.2. S&P mini is down 0.04. It's so meh, it's not even funny. So let's talk about real money. Bitcoin at $18,301. Is that my high? That is my high. No, my, damn it, I keep doing that. Bit asset is the, nope, bit asset just fell. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Forget I said anything. So 18,301 is the high. We're going to have, where's the low? I'm just going to use hit BTC. 18,224. So not a whole lot of breathing room there. 332,000 transactions were made in the last 24 hours. That's 14,000 transactions on average every hour. 2.1 million BTC were sent in that 24-hour period, and the average sent per hour was 90,000 BTC. The average transaction value is 6.5 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.038 BTC, or just at 700 bucks. Block times are low again, 8 minutes and 40 seconds. We have 0.53 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 88.36 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. The block time does not reflect the fact that we have seen a massive drop in hash rate. We are down damn near 12% and we are at 126.9 exahashes per second. Shitcoin one, shitcoin two, three, four, five. Oh, and Dogecoin, Dogecoin got pumped, okay? <laughs> they were pumping it and it worked. One doge is $0.003 at 40,357 transactions in the last 24 hours. Doge has beaten the pants off of Ethereum Classic and Bcash as usual. So there you go. Litecoin has still flippened uh, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, so its market cap is $5.4 billion and Bitcoin Cash is, is at uh, 4.7. So Litecoin pulled way ahead. Just, you know, just so you know, Litecoin's sitting at $82.50. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it's happening. So I guess we have to deal with the shit. Seven blocks are waiting to clear. And when they do, they will carry with them 12,000 transactions. There is 1,047 BTC in the Lightning side of, in the Lightning network. And that is now approaching $20 million in value. And uh, this is what's funny. The total capacity in the Lightning Network has not changed all that much since I've been talking about it. It's always been pretty much around 1,000 BTC, and yet it's gone from anywhere from, I think it was like 10 million, all the way up to almost double, and it hasn't doubled the, the amount of BTC. Isn't that amazing? But that's going over 7,766 nodes. It's over 35,896 uh, payment channels. Tor capacity continues to grow, or maybe it, it, I think it, yeah, it's, it's dropped a little bit. Never mind, sorry. But it's 538.2 BTC, and the percentage of Tor capacity is 51.4%. So 51.4% of all the Lightning Network capacity is being run over Tor, and that is being run over 2,587 Tor nodes that we can tell anyway. Uh, he, like Clark, is looking at a price of 18,204. There are 18,548,787.9 BTC available in the open market. Uh, the Bitcoin priced in gold, you, one Bitcoin will buy you 9.7 ounces of rock. Uh, Bitcoin versus gold's market cap is at 2.78%. So it seems to me that that means that the market cap of Bitcoin is only 2.78% that of gold. <clears throat> Not bad. Considering gold's been around for 6,000 years, 
BTC has been around for 12 and it's already captured uh, over 2.5% of gold's market cap. Do the math on that in your head. Instead of comparing prices, compare how much market cap of gold Bitcoin has captured versus the time scales between gold in humanity's history and Bitcoin in humanity's history. When you run those numbers, you might be quite surprised. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to the shit show. This entire second half is going to be mostly about shit coins. Why? Because we have new people coming into the market all the time and a lot of them. Okay. It's up to all of us to be, you know, empowered with the arguments against shit coinery and God knows I got enough here to wad, wad your shotgun. So when your noob comes up to you and asks you about Ethereum or yield farming, You'll be armed. Ethereum founder Buterin hints at more delays for ETH 2.0. Color me surprised. Martin Young going to tell us about it from Crypto Potato. Speaking at a Reddit Ask Me Anything session on November the 17th, Vitalik and a number of Ethereum Foundation members commented on the future of the network and the highly anticipated launch of ETH 2.0. When questioned about a complete timeline, for sharding in the consensus migration, Buterin explained that scaling may be ready before staking. Quote, for the merge, I would say less than a year is not realistic. Even if complete merge implementation fell out of the sky in February, I would recommend we sit on our butts until November or so to convince people that proof of stake is safe. End quote. He stated that sharding can be done whenever it is reasonably stable and he would not or he would be happy not waiting too long to get it out there. Highlighting a comment I made in the Reddit AMA yesterday that got buried, but I think expresses something very important is a tweet that, that he put out. Um, during the AMA, it was also revealed that the proposed Ethereum WebAssembly or eWASM smart contract redesign has been temporarily suspended. Lead developer Danny Ryan stated that he wasn't certain that eWASM would ever make it to mainnet. eWASM is an alternative to the currently used Ethereum virtual machine or the EVM offering even greater throughput. Yeah, it can't offer greater throughput if you're not going to do it. This is just such a shit show, man. Ryan added that EVM is becoming somewhat of a blockchain standard in and of itself, and there is a staggering amount of existing contracts, tools, languages, and optimizations already for it. At the time of writing, there had been just over 100,000 ETH stake into the deposit contract according to the ETH2 launchpad. This represents just over 20% of the target, which was expected to be reached by November the 24th, enabling a one-week period before the Beacon Chain Genesis event on December the 1st. Unless another $200 million worth of, ETH of Ethereum lands in the smart contract in the next four days, Phase Zero will fail to launch on the 1st of December. As reported by Crypto Potato, a Dubai investment firm has announced a $10 million stake, but that is unlikely to come before mainnet is live. Bitcoiner Alistair Milne pointed out the absurdity of degenerate DeFi farming compared to the amount that has been staked so far in ETH 2.0. Quote, the state of Ethereum investors, YAM, unaudited smart contract launch, 500 million deposited in 24 hours, ETH 2.0 launch deposit contract, 45 million deposited in two weeks. So 500 million in a day? Was it? Yeah, 500 million in a day to do degenerate gam farming and the entirety of the system that uh, supports 
uh, uh, DeFi, degenerate DeFi farming only got 45 million and it took over two weeks. Wow, very little of the 1.9 million Ethereum that has flooded out of Uniswap over the past week has gone into staking. No surprise. They're chasing gains over at SushiSwap, by the way. The, the majority that, ha, or the, sorry, the majority has been deposited into SushiSwap farms for short-term gains as it seems ETH 2.0 is going to be a very long game. Game it is. They're gaming your mind is what they're doing. Now, on into, further into the shitcoin forest, or desert, depending on how you want to look at it. Ethereum flowing out of exchanges and into smart contracts. Keep that title in mind. Flowing out of exchanges and directly into smart contracts. Ethereum locked in smart contracts surged from June to October. Now traders are taking a breather. The Ethereum ecosystem in 2020 has witnessed a DeFi explosion that has helped push the price of ETH up while launching potentially profitable new tokens. But now traders have to ask what to do with all that ETH now that its price is going up and DeFi protocols have come back to life. Their answer, just keep doing the same thing. <laughs> According to Glassnode data, the amount of Ethereum held in exchanges has been declining since the end of July 2020. Meanwhile, the percentage of Ethereum deposited in smart contracts, again, smart contracts, keep it in mind, we'll get to why we're doing this where it can potentially generate interest in DeFi protocols has been rising since June. In the course of a few months, the supply of Ethereum sitting in smart contracts went from 11% to 17%, whereas the Ethereum in exchanges went from 19,000 ETH to 15,500. Until last month, that is, October showed a slight variation. While Ethereum continued to leave the centralized exchanges, the number of deposits to smart contracts remained relatively stable. DeFi stopped growing. Pedro Febrero, the founder of BitBeyond, or BitYond, and researcher at Quantum Economics told Decrypt, quote, what I suspect is happening is the same thing that is going on with Bitcoin. Essentially, we're noticing a growing number of coins being taken out of exchanges and into private wallets. Now, there's a difference between a smart contract and a private wallet. He continued, most likely these entities have no interest in selling in the short term, end quote. This is, of course, or this, of course, impacts the market's since a decrease in supply can generate an increase in prices as there is more competition among buyers, that's what Chainalysis reported today is happening with Bitcoin. But it's not quite to the same degree. That's because while the percentage of ETH and smart contracts has plateaued, it's still near all-time highs. According to Chainalysis, quote, Ethereum is becoming more liquid, moving into wallets that not only trade frequently, but that are also quite new. In the last eight months, it said over 8 million ETH moved into liquid wallets less than one month old at the time of acquisition. Of course, traders may just be letting their ETH settle into DeFi smart contracts long term. Keep that in mind. Regardless, with the price of Ether reaching levels not seen since 2018, holders are fine with taking a break as long as the price keeps rising. Now, so we've got a whole bunch of Ethereum flowing out of exchanges, but honestly, not into wallets. I mean, in a way, smart contract, you know, is clearly attached with a wallet. There's wallet functions and all that. I mean, it's, I get that part, but smart contracts are not just holding Ethereum. They're doing shit with it. Specifically, the ETH DAP total loss money by being hacked is about $379 million to date. That's what... I'm talking about that was given to me by who? Well, hold on, let me make sure who I got that from. Oh, uh, Juha Ronkainen. He's you've seen him on on Twitter. 
uh, J Ron, Ron Kane. Uh, that would be J R O N K A I N is his handle. And he slipped me this after I had posted a couple of these things. Anyway, anyway, what I'm saying here is that we have, uh, we have several, uh, hacked smart contracts. I mean, it's just this laundry list of shit, man. Oh my God. Uh, let's see, going back all the way to the Dow. Okay. Uh, that would be June the 17th of 2016. The Dow was hacked for $60 million. Next was Parity. I remember the Parity wallet hack. Then you got Bancor, FOMO 3D, FOMO 3D again, uh, Spank Chain, BZX, BZX again, Uniswamp, or Uni, actually Uniswamp actually sounds good. Lend.me got hacked. Hedgit got hacked. TBTC got hacked. Bancor got hacked again. DDM, Atomic Loans, Web3 DeFi, Balancer, Balancer again, VETH. Yam, based, YF value, DGEN.money, soft finance, sci fi, BZX again, <laughs> Bent Ample, LV Finance, Soda, Gem Swap, Eminence, Unicats, WLEO, Harvest Finance, Axiom, Acropolis, Value, DeFi, Cheese Bank, and now OUSD. All of those smart contracts. That's how all of them got hacked. That smart contract. So you're putting your shit not just into a wallet, but into a smart contract to hold it. Sorry for your loss. Now let's look at what one of these hacks looks like. After $6 million hack, the value, <coughs> value DeFi turns to Chainlink for help. Value. The guys at value are begging for help from, from the Link Marines. Jeez, good. Robert Stevens, tell us about it. Decrypt.co, Value DeFi, the yield farming decentralized finance protocol that last Saturday saw a $6 million loss after someone exploited a vulnerability with its unaudited central price oracle today integrated chain link, a decentralized oracle network. Value DeFi's exploit took place the day after the launch of its multi-stables vault, a new financial project designed to shift investors' money around different DeFi protocols to maximize profits. Someone managed to manipulate the price of tokens in one of its vaults through a flash loan, the instant loan issued from Aave, a DeFi loan protocol, and then buy those tokens at a discounted rate. The hack relied on a centralized price feed to confirm prices in the vault, making it vulnerable to manipulation. So the team decided to decentralize its price oracle to stop this from happening again. It chose Chainlink. Quote, after many focused discussions and weighing the different options, we found Chainlink to be the best Oracle solution that provides a sufficiently robust and tamper-resistant price Oracle solution capable of migrating flash loan or mitigating flash loan attacks, said Value DeFi in his blog post. The idea is that Chainlink's feeds are decentralized informations verified by disparate teams of crypto security firms. No, they're not. So it's difficult for people to conspire to fake information. You, no, it's easy. Sergey Nazarov, Chainlink's founder, told Decrypt that the issue is not with flash loans, which are often the villains in flash loan exploits. Flash loans let users borrow lots of cryptocurrency. I got a lot of Bitcoin cash. So long as the borrowers can pay all the money back in a single transaction. Quote, the core of the issue is price oracle security. Any well-capitalized actor is capable of committing these price oracle exploits. 
All a flash loan does is make it possible for anyone to become a well-capitalized actor, he said. In the past month, several, several other DeFi protocols have been the victims of flash loan-based Oracle attacks. Harvest, Cheese Bank, and Acropolis among them. Quote, the teams making various DeFi financial products need to start viewing Oracle security as seriously as they view getting their smart contracts audited, said Nazarov. In DeFi, smart contracts are the pieces of code that let different pro protocols speak to one another in a trustless manner. Bad things happen when they go unaudited. Nazarov said that Oracle attacks will only increase as the value of DeFi continues to rise. It's a completely unstable ecosystem is what they're describing. I repeat, it's a completely unstable monetary ecosystem that they are describing. Don't let your friends get into this shit. Let's talk about, or why? Because we need to talk about origin. They're putting a $1 million bounty on OUSD hacker. So that's how you know that they're, you're never seeing your money. If you were into OUSD, your money is gone. I am sorry, you were warned. Will Gottenson is going to tell us about it from Decrypt. Says the Ethereum-based stablecoin was hacked earlier this week, resulting in a loss of funds around $7 million, according to a blog post from the coin's issuer, Origin Protocol. Now, the company is offering a reward for anyone who can identify the attackers. Quote, we are offering a bounty of $1 million USD to anyone that supplies substantial information or evidence leading to the return of customer funds. It's never going to happen, wrote Origin Protocol co-founder Josh Fraser in an update to the company's original post. The update goes on to speak directly to the hackers, suggesting that they can keep Origin's portion of the money, which is about $1 million, and avoid legal action if they pretty please return the $6 million or so that belong to customers. Yeah, they don't give a shit. They are, there is no ethics here, okay? It's not, not, I mean, not just the hacker, Origin themselves. They know that they're hosed, dude. They're going to punch out, I guarantee it. Remember that you are taking from those who have less. Aww, aww, build back better, reads the post. If you can examine the wallet addresses that held OUSD, you will realize that many of our users are not DGENs or whales. Keep Origins funds, but don't punish our users, many of whom are new to crypto. Oh, well, maybe you shouldn't let them do dangerous shit. KU, who heads up business operations at Strategy, at Origin, elaborated over email, quote, We do not care if the hacker returns company funds or the personal investments of our founders, she told Decrypt. Our highest priority right now is to recover customer funds and figure out how to get our passports in order. According to the company, the attacker used a flash loan to kickstart the hack and eventually laundered the stolen funds through a mixer service called Tornado.cash, as well as wrapped Bitcoin and REN BTC, which are Bitcoin stand-ins on the Ethereum blockchain. Money laundering appears to, have, to be a pretty common use case for mixing services, <coughs> sorry, which scramble ordinary transactions on the blockchain in such ways to make them essentially untraceable. The people who hacked Twitter this past summer used a mixer called Wasabi Wallet to accomplish the same thing. A representative for Wasabi told Decrypt earlier this month that while the service can be used to commit crime, it is not intended for criminals to launder money. So kind of like uTorrent, I guess. The price of OUSD, which is generally supposed to sit at around a dollar, dropped to just 54, uh, 54 cents in the wake of the attack and is now just 14 cents. Trading volume has been $0 since Tuesday when Origin appended an update to its blog post telling users to stop buying and selling OUSD. Sounds like Vitalik when he said, okay guys, you can stop trading now. 
Good Lord have mercy. Morgan Creek Digital co-founder sells his Chevy for Bitcoin. Helen Parts, tell us about it. Cointelegraph. As Bitcoin momentum continues to grow, some people seem to prefer selling their belongings for cryptocurrency instead of fiat money. Jason Williams, the co-founder of Morgan Creek Digital, a dedicated digital asset investment business run by Morgan Creek Capital, sold his car for Bitcoin. Williams announced on Twitter that he sold his 2007 Chevy Suburban for 0.4 BTC, which was worth around $7,300 at publishing time. According to car shopper website Edmunds.com, uh, a used 2007 Suburban cost around seven grand, while the new 2021 model costs over 50 grand, according to Chevrolet's official website. If the Bitcoin price breaks $130,000, as some have predicted, there's a chance Williams will have sold his 13-year-old car for as much money as a brand new model. Despite publicized instances of celebrities and business people transacting in crypto, Bitcoin uses use for payments is still relatively low, and many have criticized the coin for being a poorer means of payment. However, in a recent blog post, Fidelity Digital Assets aimed to dispel this notion, suggesting that Bitcoin's network's decentralization and immutability were a worthy trade-off. <clears throat> Furthermore, major payments-related firms are finally getting on board with a seminal cryptocurrency. Earlier this month, major payments network PayPal finally rolled out its crypto trading and payment service to customers in the United States. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Rami Chama. That's Rami Chama. Okay, so this is a little bit of a, a tweet thread, but it starts with Bondi Muse Maximus. Look, I want to hold as much Bitcoin as the next pleb, but I'm in an irresponsibly long situation over here. My wife and I sold our house to hoard corn a few months ago under the premise that we would buy a house in 2021, but I'm going to convince her to rent stacking sats by any means necessary. So the hodler writes back and says, wait until 2031 and buy a thousand houses. I respond innocently enough. I say, by that time, the great reset will be in and no one will own anything and they will be happy. Happy to rent a house from me, that's for sure. Now here's where the train wreck begins. I don't know why uh, people hate the great reset all of a sudden. Yes, it is a group of people with money working together. Uh, the whole point is to get global businesses to work together to make the world better. If you don't want to build back better, do you want to build back worse? One hundred percent pure synthetic narrative. That is not organic. That is an account. Rami Chama is an account. Let's look at this thing. It's got 43 followers and it joined October 2020. It's following 344. This is a synthetic account and it is preaching a synthetic message. And there was another one. There's another idiot somewhere in that feed that came back. Let's see if I can find it just real quick. Uh, hold on. Uh, nope, I can't find it just yet. Uh, and I'm not going to waste my time. Because the, the whole point of that particular train wreck is to illustrate the fact that um, this is a synthetic narrative. It's being spun up. It's being spun up very, very quickly. Although I have a sneaky suspicion uh, that this has been in the works for quite a while. But see how he says all of a sudden, 
the, I don't know why people hate the Great Reset all of a sudden. That's because nobody heard anything about a Great Reset until just now. And they automatically don't like it. That's why it's all of a sudden, because the whole thing was all of a sudden. But like I said, I'll bet you my tinfoil hat that this shit has been talked about forever. Okay? I, I don't know how synthetic this entire thing is. Uh, and I mean everything from 2001 all the way until now. I don't know how much of it is synthetic, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hedge and say that I'm going to make an, uh, I'm hedging with an asymmetric bet that saying that this entire fucking thing has been planned is actually a better gain for me to be right than just look like a tinfoil hat wearing idiot if I'm wrong. And I don't know if we're ever going to be able to find out whether or not I'm, you know, I'm right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. It's all bullshit anyway. But because it is such bullshit and because that narrative is being spun up, we need, we're, we're going to need a joke here. Um, Dad says jokes. Oh, wait a minute. That's the wrong one. Hold on. Yeah, it's, it's this one. Uh, this is actually given, uh, given over by somebody in the community. Uh, this is Turkey Dennis or at grumpy underscore veteran says, I hate my job. All I do is crush cans all day. It's so depressing. Soda. It's soda pressing. Get it? Have a happy Friday. Don't let the narratives bite you in the ass. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.